the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Because of a lack of self-control, because of a lack of self-discipline, because of wanton, wasteful behavior, and they have proverbially shot themselves in the foot. And what Paul seems to be saying here is that we are not to facilitate that kind of behavior. We are not to finance that kind of behavior with the church's resources. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall the mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are continuing with Pastor Keith's series entitled Church Matters. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. You know, we think of the big crisis things or the controversial things, or the, but sometimes we forget about the nuts and bolts kinds of things, you know. And today's passage, uh, 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 16, is kind of a nuts and bolts thing. It's about benevolence. It's ostensibly it's about widows, helping widows in their time of need, but the principles apply to every aspect of benevolence that the church does. And benevolence is a difficult, difficult thing for the church of Jesus Christ because we want to help everybody, but we can't. And not everybody, sounds kind of unkind to say, and I don't mean to be harsh, not everybody deserves our assistance. Some people are undisciplined in the way that they live, and, and, and there are consequences. And churches, because churches do not have unlimited resources, are usually, like people, uh, in extremes. You have the church that helps anybody and everybody, and then you have the church that hoards the benevolence uh, resources until the second coming, which hasn't come yet. And we want to be in the biblical center. And so today's message is entitled Concerning Widows, a Biblical Approach to Benevolence. 
And this brings me to Big George. And Big George is someone I encountered at a previous church who came in for help. He explained to us that he was starving because of the President of the United States, who was at that time as immaterial. But Big George was about my height and weighed in at about 275 pounds and did not have a 34-inch waist. Let me just put it that way. And so we began to talk, and I said, you know, we, we, we can help you. Uh, we, have a, we, have a, we, ha- we don't have any cash. We, have a, we, we, we can give you a food card today, but you'll have to come back and talk to the deacons. But this food card will not last you very long, and I want to give you something that will last for an eternity. And basically, Big George became very uh, irate at that point. He expected money, cash, whatever he expected, he expected it then, there, and now. And he told me, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with religion. I don't want anything to do with your God. I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to the other place. And I'm here for help, and you have to give me help now. And so I said, well, on the contrary, I didn't call him Big George. That wasn't, that's not his real name. Um... We, we are here to help you, but we can only help those who want to be helped, and we do have some requirements. And at the end of it, he became, he attempted to become physically intimidating, and at the end of it, he had to leave, and he left without a food card. Why is that? Because God's church has limited resources, and there are always strings attached to any benevolence that any good church does, and that string is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that string is also... Uh, that we, we use discernment and we use wisdom and we use careful stewardship of the Lord's resources. And today's passage gives us insight to how we would go about that. Now again, it's talking about widows, but you can apply it to anyone and everyone in any and every situation within the church. In those days, uh, Somebody young or somebody male or whatever, somebody able-bodied would never come to the church for assistance. And so Paul deals with widows, and you'll see in the requirements a profile of the person who uh, is worthy of considering uh, giving benevolence to. Because one thing the church cannot afford to do is to create a culture of dependence or to facilitate an attitude of entitlement. And so let's look into the Word of God here in 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 16, and see what it says. Honor widows who are truly widows. But, on the contrary, if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left alone, has set her hope, has, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially members of his own household, he has denied the faith 
and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, and has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Now, I'm going to unpack this in a minute, but let me understand, I want you to understand, it's not about marrying, because later on he's going to talk about marrying. It's about marrying in the wrong way for the wrong reasons, okay? 13, besides, they learn to be idlers going from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they should not. Verse 14, so I would have the younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So if we look at this text, we can distill and derive principles for our benevolence ministry, for really all helping ministries here at this church, at any church. These are universal principles. Again, the object lesson here is a widow, but the application goes much further. And so what I want us to do today is to look into this text and distill and derive at least three factors that we should take into consideration before helping anyone. There are three considerations that we need to ponder before we extend financial or material help to anyone. Let's look at consideration number one. And consideration number one is this, the need. The need. You see that in verse three, verse five, and verse nine. Is there a real need? Is there a true need? Is this person in a real jam? Look again with me. Honor widows who are truly widows. Verse 5, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God, and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Verse 9, let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. Not less. There are widows and there are widows. There are those with needs by way of application and those who are in real need, and we have to discern the difference between the two. And so Paul helps us to do that. And, and let me tell you this, when you read through Paul, Paul is a, is a gentle, passionate, compassionate man. He's not being harsh or mean, and neither do we need to be that way either. So according to our passage, there are some who are true widows, truly in need, and some who are not. And it, It's a function of a number of factors ranging from age to a lack of resources. They are in an age where they could not sustain the labor, you know, day labor, for example. And those days, many poor people were day laborers, or they worked in subsistent agriculture, and they earned enough food that day for the day's food. But this person being not less than 60 years of age, in those days, like today, 60 
is not as old as it was then. It would almost be like being 80 now, and this lady could not go out and work and labor the way she could have if she were younger. In those days, advanced age, advanced years, was almost a form of disability. Also, when you look in verse 5, she's all alone. In other words, you know, in those days, you had multi-generations of family often living together, caring for one another, providing for one another, providing for infirm relatives, things like that. In this case, there is no husband and there is no family. She is truly, truly, truly without resources. And the evidence of that is it says that she, she makes supplications day and night because the only place that she can turn is God and the church. A true widow only has God. And when I say only has God, that's all, that's all we need. God, he is all we need. But there is no family or agency there to help her. Honor widows who are truly widows. Verse 3, verse 5, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day because she is without resources. What we see here is a principle for benevolence in general. Situation and circumstances have created a condition where the individual's ability to provide what they need for survival, the ability to care for themselves is lacking. The individual has not engaged in any destructive or wanton behaviors, we'll see that later on, that have precipitated the condition or contributed to his or her uh, poverty. And by way of analogy, the victim, the needy person, is a victim of circumstance not reaping what they have sown necessarily. And so notice that Paul cautions the church, the church family, from falling into the trap of becoming an enabler for bad behavior. Where do we see that? We see that in verses 5 through 7. Look with me. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Verse 6, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command and teach these things, verse 7, as well, so that for the purpose of they may be without reproach. Sometimes people are needy, sometimes people are dependent, sometimes people are without resources because of a lack of self-control, because of a lack of self-discipline, because of wanton, wasteful behavior, because of a harebrained scheme that they engaged in, and they have proverbially shot themselves in the foot. And what Paul seems to be saying here is that we are not to facilitate that kind of behavior. We are not to finance that kind of behavior with the church's resources. And we see this in verse 11. But refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, verse 13, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not say. I knew an individual once who was committed to never working more than 15 to 20 hours a week, period, because it cramped their style. And as you would imagine, they often needed money. There is a lack of self-control depicted here in this passage. And it can manifest itself in a number of ways. Promiscuity, repeated pregnancies out of wedlock, drugs, gambling, or just laziness. 
And the principle here applied to the widow should be applied to everyone in every situation that involves benevolence in the church. And this is a universal principle that was applied in that day to the New Testament church across the board. How do we know that? How do we know that? We see that in 2 Corinthians 3, 10 through 12. 2 Corinthians 3, 10 through 12, what does it say? For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now that sounds really mean, but it's not. It's love. Sometimes love is tough. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you, some among you, walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage and appeal to in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Second Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. The church must not facilitate bad behavior because it will only lead to worse behavior. The church must not create a culture of dependency, a culture of entitlement. And this is a biblical principle from Old Testament to New Testament. If we go back to Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse 10, I'm going to back up to uh, verse 7. We have the classic passage about going to the ant. And it says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. She takes initiative. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Compare this to what Paul writes about washing the saints' feet and serving in ministry in, this, in our passage today in 1 Timothy 5. You know, drugs, alcohol, gambling, pornography, whatever the vice of the day is, often leads to consequences. I'm reminded today that when we look at the homeless population in America, studies tell us that roughly 20% are there because of situation or circumstances beyond their control. A fire, a health crisis, an economic downturn, uh, a factory closure, whatever it is, COVID-19. But 80% are there for other reasons. Granted, many of them are suffering from some form of mental illness or drug addiction or something like that, but that is usually the egg that the chicken laid. It's usually the result of a choice to make bad decisions, to engage in harmful patterns of behavior that take their toll on the mind and the body. And so Paul cautions discernment. Is the need real? Is the need legitimate? This brings us to consideration number two. Consideration number two. And I just want to remind us, we want to be very gentle with people, kind. We don't want to look down on people. It's easy to make sweeping generalizations about somebody when you're up and they're down, but we want to be careful. We want to be Christian, but we want to be wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. And consideration number two is this. How do we discern a credible need? 
And that would be the testimony. The testimony of the individual bears witness to their character. And we see this in verses 9 through 11. Verses 9 through 11. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. Sometimes widows remarry. But the inference here is that somebody has, you know, married a bazillion times or, you know, it's like the woman at the well but hasn't yet repented. And we see this clarified in verse 10, having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, shown hospitality, has washed the feet of saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. You know, our witness is sort of like our spiritual and character resume. When someone asks for help, the church needs to check them out. The church needs to ask the difficult questions. The church needs to assess the circumstances, the situation, and the character of the person. And I just want to tell you, it's really hard to do. It's not easy to ask the difficult questions. And you know... I'll give you a prime example of somebody who royally blew it once. And, and, and if you work, you know, the, the people on staff here and the people, the pastors know that I tend to be now very skeptical when somebody comes for aid, not because I'm not a nice person, um, but because of the mistakes I've made in the past. So let's talk about Michael and Andy. Michael came to me one day at the church, previous church, and he came in and he was a very soft-spoken man, seemed very humble, and he said he needed my help. And I said, sure, what can I do for you? He goes, well, and he said, you see out there and there is a car full of kids. I said, yeah, he goes, those are my children. He goes, my wife committed suicide two days ago. He goes, and my kids are not handling this well because they're autistic. There's some kind of problem in our family and autism shows up. And I need a gas card and I need a food card. Now, I should have thought, well, boy, what about money? What about this? What about that? You know, but you know what? I said, okay. So we gave him a gas card. We, I uh, sort of leapfrogged the normal procedure because, I mean, man, his wife had committed suicide. His kids were autistic. He was grieving. We prayed together. We cried together. And I gave him a number of food cards. Then Andy shows up the next morning at my office. Andy was one of our elders, and he was a lieutenant on the police department. He goes, I see you met Michael. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, did a guy come here yesterday and tell you a really sad story, and you you kind of loaded him up with uh, gift cards. And I was like, well, yeah, because, you know, this, that, and that. He goes, yeah, I know. He goes, I arrested him about five hours later. He was at a, at a suicide, at a, at, a, at a grief share type ministry talking about the suicide of his wife and this, that, and that. He goes, I arrest this guy and his brothers all the time because this is a scam they use all over the place. And so he goes, so the food cards are evidence. We'll get them back. But he goes, you, you, you just got to be careful, Pastor. And so whatever assistance we have, the Lord has provided us and as stewards of, what, of the treasure that he has loaned us as a church, we need to be careful on whom we spend the Lord's money. We need to check them out because there are all kinds of people 
telling all kinds of stories that may or may not be true. And so Paul here speaks to the fact, or he infers, or he implies that aid is to be extended after assessing who the person is. And I'll even go a step further. When you look at the text, to church members, first and foremost, primary, and maybe only 90% of the time plus. Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with us today here on the program. And if you have questions about today's show, or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to visit our website, hillsidechurch.org. There you can listen to past sermons and other content from Pastor Keith just by clicking the Sermon Archive tab. And you can also find links to Pastor Keith's blog, as well as the Out of My Mind podcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you, and thanks for listening. Every dragon will fall.